Hello and welcome to Bike Tales. In this season, we are meeting the cycling community of Chichester in the UK. The county of West Sussex was recently rated zero out of four for active travel. It's seen barely any infrastructure added in the last few years, but yet people here do cycle against the odds. Today, I'm meeting Matt Jolly, a personal fitness instructor who regularly commutes by bike, trains for triathlons and cycles with his kids. From an early age, cycling has been a passport for him to money, travel and later a career that he's passionate about. I'm a personal trainer. I do fitness instructing, um, a little bit of nutrition side of things as well. But yeah, I'm all about health, fitness, activity. It's a financial thing as well. It saves me a fortune in petrol. It's keeping me fit. So in my spare time, I do running and triathlon cycling events. So it's my form of training as well. I incorporate it while I'm doing it. And it shows, you know, I'm inspiring my kids to be active and healthy. Like Sarah in our first episode, he lives in the heart of Chichester, an old Roman city built for walking, which has so much potential for active travel. Matt and his family embrace this potential and get about on foot whenever they can. I live very central in Chichester, close to the hospital. My wife works there. She walks to work in about two minutes and it takes us five, ten minutes to walk into town as well, which is really handy. In addition to walking, Matt commutes by bike to his two work destinations, which are in opposite directions from the city centre. I work slightly north of Chichester into Goodwood and I now work in Siddlesham which is five miles south of Chichester. I cycle to both. I've been cycling Goodwood Way 12 years now. It's about three miles each way, so about 5k. Takes me 10, 11 minutes. And then at three weeks ago now, I got a personal training studio down in Siddlesham, which is five miles away. And I get down there in 17, 18 minutes. So yeah, I cycle both ways. I've mentioned Goodwood before in this season. It was the venue which was to play host to a big cycling event last year, which was cancelled mysteriously at short notice. Goodwood brings a lot of money to this part of the country with its renowned motoring and horse racing events. But with people comes traffic. And on weekends in the summer when the estate is hosting an event, traffic grounds to a halt for miles around the city. Unless, of course, you are on a bike. I'm that smug cyclist with a nice little grin as I just cruise past all the traffic. (laughs) It's brilliant. Yeah, and especially as staff, we come and go at random hours, sometimes peak traffic time, sometimes it's much earlier in the morning, and I just cruise past. And and when there are those big events on, I go through some of the footpaths, and then where the road's closed, the marshals just stop the traffic to let me cross where traffic can't go. So in those weekends, it's far, far quicker. As well as commuting, Matt cycles to train for races. As someone who is a little intimidated by the traffic on the roads in Chichester, I wondered if his long road rides around the local area were enjoyable or whether he needed to get further afield to find good routes to bike. A couple of years ago, I was training for big events. I'd cycle down to West Wittering, East Wittering, back up again, do a big loop. Normally those roads can be quite busy and cars are just barging through. But I just remember people were just waiting and letting go passing sensibly and I pulled over a little bit it was a bit of give and take and it was just it was yeah I do think weather helps if 
it is a nice sunny day and maybe in height of summer people are just generally in a better mood middle of summer you're a bit more relaxed maybe a bit more time on your hands so cycling provides matt with his freedom to nip past the queues and get to work and to maintain his fitness levels for competitions but it's not a recent discovery cycling first brought him his freedom as a child back in the 80s most families had one car and that was that my dad worked locally so he would cycle to work we would walk or cycle to school it was just a done thing you had to get back on your bike or you couldn't get anywhere matt's first job was bike dependent like many kids of his generation his first taste of earning his own money came via a paper round a job for which two wheels were essential my round was on a private estate so i'd go from littlehampton cross into rustington pick up the papers, continue on to a private estate on the other side. So I'd probably cycle, it was probably about a five mile round trip back to home again. It's not a huge distance and you're constantly stop, start, stop, start. During the summer, you get up, you get going. It's a good way to start the day for me. Through the winter, it was pretty miserable at times. <laughs> but it was my way to earn money, it kept me fit. I loved it. So I started off my first round, I got £13 a week. And then I took on a second round at the same place which was slightly smaller, so I got paid £12 a week. When I was about 15, that last year of doing it, I earned £25 a week. I vividly remember about four doors down from the newsagent that we worked from, there was a bakery. I'd go straight around the front, get a can of Dr Pepper and a whisper gold, and then we'd walk four doors down and get an iced ring donut. <laughs> Beyond earning money to buy his own snacks, Matt already had his eye on bigger ambitions. His bike didn't just take him round the neighbourhood, it took him overseas too. At 16, I went to America for the first time with a trip through the church. And so I say I was saving up my money for that. Paper rounds are largely a thing of the past now, and parents are rarely so relaxed about letting their offspring out to explore the neighbourhood on a bike every morning. But although there's been a big culture shift, Matt tries to bring something of the way he moved around as a kid into his children's lives. We had one car per family, pretty much, if that, for some families. And normally dad would have it for work. And so you had to walk, cycle, scoot, rollerblade, whatever it was at the time. For me, that set me up into my healthy lifestyle, my interest in sport and fitness. And I really noticed it when I didn't do that, when we did get to drive somewhere. And so it's just ingrained in me. It's a healthy habit growing up. You had to do it. And so we do it with my kids. My wife's quite supportive. She's understanding, you know, works in the health herself as a nurse. We live about a mile from the kids' school and we walk them there. So my daughter is in year six. My son's in year four. They've never been driven to school. We do pick them up sometimes, depending on the clubs and activities. We've got to get them to and around them. They've never been driven to school. They, they walk, they cycle, they roller skate. They've got friends that are driven half a mile to school. And then the parents are worried that they're putting on weight. Well, he could be walking five miles a week. Away from school, Matt's son might not be able to roam the streets on his bike. But because Chichester is surrounded by green spaces, there are great opportunities to make use of a mountain bike. And like Gabby in episode two, he's a fan of the disused railway track known as Centurion Way. I took my son out up Centurion Way. You've got that kind of big circle, old amphitheatre type area. Halfway up, two thirds up, near Lavin. It was his first time he had his mountain bike. And he loved just pounding down those hills, up and down a little bit, a few little jumps. And we were there about an hour. 
I was bored stupid by the end of it because I was on my road bike, I couldn't do anything. But he was just flying around up and down his hills and that's what it's like for me. You know, growing up, I was allowed to cycle to my friend's house a mile away, but walking it, probably not so much. Gives you that independence to go that bit further on your own. So for him, just the sheer enjoyment of off-roading a little bit and a few little jumps and bits and not having to worry about traffic and cars and pedestrians and that because it's such a big open space, you can see people coming a mile away. Like Matt, I have made it a priority to minimise car trips to school. And so for the last seven years, my son and daughter have walked, scooted or cycled to school. But I know it isn't easy when parents have tight turnarounds to drop off to get to work or when the route involves busy roads and environments which are hostile to pedestrians. With the pandemic, we all had a moment to assess our routines and cut the things that didn't work or introduce better ways of doing things. I wondered what Matt did when the routine of the walk to school suddenly stopped in 2020. Having to do the homeschooling, after a couple of weeks, they were just agitated and grumpy and snappy. And we kind of, well, okay, well, it's, life's been thrown out the window, isn't it? But we found we'd take them out for a walk first, in just not even far, just 20 minutes around, like equivalent of the school run, effectively. They would sit and concentrate much better. And there's studies that show, actually, the human body's made to move. But then we drive to places, we sit at a desk all day, we drive home, sit at home watching TV. We're not using our bodies, we start to get all sorts of problems. Whilst Matt's kids grew twitchy from lack of exercise, some of his clients suddenly found their lack of commute meant they had more time to move than previously. And for some, that provided a chance to hop on a bike. I had one client who was struggling to lose that last little bit of weight. She couldn't get it off. And then with lockdowns happened, obviously the roads were much clearer. People walked and cycled that little bit. We were allowed out for that hour a day, weren't we? The enjoyment of just cycling, popping to the shops, you know, popping to your friend's house quickly. And just by doing that, she lost that little bit of weight she wanted by being more active throughout the day. Rather than finding time to go and exercise, incorporate it into your day, and she got the body she wanted. Some of that newfound enthusiasm for cycling has definitely fed into a small modal shift on the roads around the city. There are cargo bikes, electric bikes and bikes with trailers in small but visible numbers. But they are still competing with cars. I think there are more cyclists around. But also the number of drivers has gone up as well. People might use the bike maybe once to 10 times of driving. But still the local newspaper churns out stories of traffic holdups and plans for new routes for the bypass. Because one day something, as long as it's not bicycles, will fix the congestion. Matt admits he sometimes gets sucked into the online war of words. The Facebook page when they put, oh, we need a new bypass. No, we don't. We just need to change our attitudes and drive less. And the excuses and the abuse people give to you. So it's a whole shift of attitude as much as the physical separated paths and amenities. I would like proper separated paths. I think I referred to it as you know, slapping some paint down in the road and saying, it's a cycle lane. It's not at all. It, I think there's studies that actually show it encourages close passes because people think they're, they're separate. So some more thought into those parts. It's a changing the mentality. You can come up with all the statistics in the world to prove your point and your point of view, and they will just dig their heels in and not want to know. Change on a whole is hard. So if we suddenly said, the government said, right, we're going to put all this cycle lane, we're going to stop investing in cars and infrastructure roads purely for cycle, there'd be hell to pay, basically, because people are forcing the change on people. Matt's good transport habits started in childhood. In fact, he himself said they were ingrained 
And so when we talk about culture shifts and changing mentalities, we have to remember that car dependency is often as deeply embedded in other people's mindsets as active travel is in Matt's, and possibly just as hard to shift. Next time on Bike Tales, bicycle-powered jukeboxes. We meet the man who throws his energy into creative ideas to inspire the people of Chichester to get on their bikes. Problem is, we had trouble convincing other staff. They said if you connected a telly to a bicycle, it might explode. <laughs> Bike Tales is written, produced and presented by me, Claire Mansell, at storysolutions.net. If you'd like to know more about the podcast or to listen to the first season, which was recorded in Canada's capital city, head to storysolutions.net slash biketales. And for photos, links and a map which shows the locations we mention in Chichester, check out the show notes. <laughs>